Greetings and welcome to another episode of The Force Nexus, a Star Wars podcast where we talk the light side, the dark side and everything else in between from that galaxy far, far away. I hope you're all doing well today and thank you for joining me on day 9 of 30 Days of Star Wars, a celebratory daily countdown of different talking points leading up to the launch of Rise of Skywalker. In yesterday's episode we took a look at my favourite and one of the weirdest Clone Wars stories, the Mortis Arc. If you're yet to check that episode out as well as the previous ones up so far, you can find them on Spotify, Anchor, Breaker and radio public platforms simply by searching The Force Nexus, a Star Wars podcast. But without any further ado, let's get into today's episode and discuss my favourite Star Wars Rebels story, A World Between Worlds. Bit of a forewarning though, if you've not seen the Star Wars Rebels and don't want to be spoiled going any further, then please shut this episode down and thank you for joining me so far. The Jedi Temple on Lothal held many secrets, but none quite as mystical as this one. The Ghost Crew has discovered that the Empire has an interest in this temple, and more specifically, a mural piece depicting the ancient Force Gods known as the Ones or more specifically, the father, the daughter, and the son. Upon examining it, and much to the Empire's dismay, Ezra Bridger discovers that the mural is actually a portal through to the mystical plane known as the World Between Worlds. A dark black abyss with thin walkways that lead to large, ancient-looking runes, this place is unlike anything we've witnessed. Upon his arrival, and during his time there, Ezra begins to hear voices, past, present, and future, surrounding him. Yoda, Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon, Ahsoka, Kanan, Leia, Jin Erso, Finn, Rey, Poe, and even Kylo Ren. Making his way along the walkways, he comes to one of these ancient-looking runes, and notices a white and green convoy bird perched atop, one strikingly similar to the likeness of the daughter herself. Examining the rune closer... It suddenly seems to activate, emitting a dark red glow at its circular centre. The red dissolves and slowly reveals an image. A black floor covered in red detail. A faint image growing clearer. Ahsoka? And a second one. A tall dark figure. Cloaked. An imposing black helmet. It was Vader. Ezra was witnessing the moments after Ahsoka saved his life previously on Malachor. This was what happened behind that large door that separated him and one of the biggest confrontations in the galaxy, one of Master and Apprentice. He watched in continued shock as Vader hacked and slashed at Ahsoka's dwindling defence. She took a knee, and she plunges her sabres into the floor, causing it to crack and crumble. Panicking for his friend's life as Vader goes for the final blow, Ezra shoves his hand into the scene playing out before him grabs Ahsoka's shoulder and pulls her through to join him. As she leaves, the floor in the vision crumbles and Vader falls through the floor. Confused and wondering where she is, Ahsoka thanks Ezra for saving her life, but not before greeting the convoy bird. She explains that her name is Morai and she owes it her life. Put a pin in this, we'll come back to this point later. As the episode continues, we learn that this place is actually a centre hub of spots linking up to specific moments in time, 
that these runes are actually portals and Ezra had just gone back to the very moment of that faithful duel. Venturing further, they happen upon another portal, one showing the selfless sacrifice of his master, Kanan Jarrus, made to save the ghost crew, one that cost him his life. Ezra races to the portal, determined to save him like he did Ahsoka, but she stops him, explaining that Kanan can't be removed from this moment, for if it wasn't for his sacrifice, they all would have died on the fall. Ezra challenges this, explain, explaining that she doesn't understand how hard this is, to which Oka, Ahsoka corrects him. I do understand. You can't save your master, and I can't save mine. They then turn from the portal, and head to leave this world between worlds, when behind them, they hear an ominous crackle of laughter. It had been alluded to that the Emperor had access to this place, and it was true. Appearing in another portal, we see a menacingly joyful Palpatine, proclaiming that he's caught Ezra and Ahsoka at last. The portal erupts into an eerie blue force energy that flows out of the portal to chase the escapee rebels. The energy manifests into a rope and grabs Ezra's ankle, before being cut in half by Ahsoka, releasing him as they manage to make their escape. However, they won't be leaving through the same portal that Ezra entered in, as Ahsoka says that she must return back to where she, she came from, and that she promises to meet back up with Ezra at a later time, vanishing through her portal and continuing her journey through the Sith Temple on Malachor. As Ezra makes his escape, he's greeted by the Ghost Crew and a legion of Imperial Stormtroopers. Whilst Chopper covers him, he channels the Force into the mural on the Gem Jedi Temple wall and closes the portal, sealing it and causing it to collapse into the ground. Due to the sheer effort of channeling such power, he passes out as they leave the site, only to be woken up by another site of a vast empty space of land. Their location? The Jedi Temple. Amidst their confusion, Ezra confirms to Hera that Kanan truly is gone, but now sees what his master was trying to teach him. One last lesson, that being the protection a Jedi must give at all costs. Just as he turns to walk away, he takes one last glimpse back towards where the temple once stood, but now, standing just before the mist, the mysterious wolf, Doom. Thought to be a manifestation of the cosmic force following his master's death, they lock eyes for a moment and the wolf turns away as Ezra says, Goodbye, Kanan. And that is the story of my favourite Rebels arc, A World Between Worlds. Perhaps a bit of an obvious choice following yesterday's episode about the Mortis arc, but that's just one of the reasons why I love this story so much in that it's not so much a direct continuation of some of the arc uh, in the Clone Wars, but it further develops the mystery behind these godlike force entities. From what we spoke about yesterday, we heard Qui-Gon refer to the realm of Mortis as a conduit in which the force in the entire universe flows. Now, since this realm of time travel in the world between worlds may originate from the times where the father and the daughter and the son were at their peak, Back in the ancient times of the Jedi, it's interesting to speculate that this could be something of the same nature of Mortis, just for the cof cosmic force itself. You see, on Mortis we saw the changes take place that represent the living force, 
with the emotions taking hold and manifesting, manifesting, um, you know, with the light side and the dark side, but also the nature and the landscape of mortis itself was changing to reflect both sides as well. Here, this is more solely focused on the cosmic force, that of time travel, and being able, being able to traverse through uh, the fabric of space and time. Following this train of thought, though, it got me wondering, like about how force ghosts work, since they are also tied to the cosmic force, as we learn from Qui-Gon and Yoda in the Clone Wars. I wonder if there's another plane of the cosmic force, similar to a world between worlds, but for those who have been granted the ability to live on as a force ghost, sort of like an afterlife for them where they can pop into different Jedi's or force users' life. So I'm thinking something like something like Obi-Wan going through this other dimension as, you know, old Force Ghost Ben Kenobi and seeing like a, a port, not so much a port, maybe a portal, you know, but like an entry point through into the physical realm to speak to Luke. Now, whilst I've been following this train of thought, it did bring up a very interesting theory I had regarding Luke and his sacrifice to save the Resistance on Crate, but I think I will leave that for a later episode. Now, do you remember that pin? Let's revisit it. Morai and Ahsoka. She claims that she owes Morai her life, and that's a direct reference to when the daughter gave her life to save Ahsoka's after she was killed on Mortis. So why is that bird so important? Well, as we mentioned, she has the same likeness to the daughter with its white and green feathers. I believe, just like Doom is a manifestation of Kanan following his death, that Morai is the manifestation of the daughter following her death. We do see the bird show up in the tangible galaxy earlier in the series as well. Now this fits perfectly in line with what the father said during the Mortis arc, that the daughter and the son were so unbalanced in the Force that he had to hide all of them away from the known galaxy, otherwise it would rip, you know, it would rip apart the very known galaxy, the, the whole universe as we know it. Now that the balance between the daughter and the son had been fulfilled on Mortis, and that the daughter doesn't pose a threat anymore, it would make perfect sense for Morai to be permitted back into the known galaxy as a spiritual guide for Ahsoka. Also, as a final point, I love the lesson that Ezra learns here, that sometimes we can save those we care about, but sometimes the tough decision of self-sacrifice has to be made to continue the fight for peace. It's a bit of a double-edged sword, really, as this lesson applies to Ezra in that he must accept to let go of his grief, lest it consume him, but also it's a lesson that teaches Ezra the way of the Jedi, one of protection, and at times, self-sacrifice. As a bit of parting trivia for today, the director of this episode, Henry Gilroy, commented saying that he believes that if someone else had gone into that realm, that they would have experienced something different. That it kind of acts as a nexus for the Force, like the tree in Dagobah, and reflects what the specific person takes with them. Also, this is a fitting time to mention that when I was preparing the launch of this podcast, the naming and branding was inspired by the World Between Worlds episode, hence the white and black theme, the mixture of red 
and uh, and blue to identify both sides of the Force, and the name itself, the Force Nexus. Well, with that, that is episode 9 of 30 Days of Star Wars, a celebratory countdown leading up to, well, episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. If you're yet to listen to my previous episodes, including my favourite Jedi, Sith, Clone Wars arc and more, then you can find the podcast stream over on Spotify, Anchor, Breaker and Radio Public with Google Podcasts and more platforms coming in the near future. Just search The Force Nexus, a Star Wars podcast. The show is also being uploaded to YouTube in the 30 Days of Star Wars playlist for easy findings. Tomorrow I'll be taking a look at something else that's very close to my heart. I'm a massive gamer, so I'll be talking about my favourite Star Wars video games, both during and after the LucasArts era. But until then, you luminous beings, thank you very much for joining me today, and may the Force be with you all, always.